Hi, this is Rich. And this is Kyle. Welcome to episode 94 of Tune of the Metal, a podcast where we take a deep dive into a rock or metal album and see if we can learn something. This week it's Revelations by Audio Slave. Let's get into it. Um, how are you? Today? I am good, Rich. So uh, I did just send you a picture and then our internet was so bad we didn't really get a chance to talk about it. So I may <laughs> as well tell you about that on air. Let's do it. Sure. Uh, yeah. What you are seeing in that picture is the roof of our extension, essentially. Um, Great. So yeah, obviously we had the months of trouble with the digging and the water pipes and the endless madness. Um, mm-hmm. Last week they came around and put the concrete down. Uh, that set. And then this week they've been putting the roof on. So it's basically finished the roof finish the frame uh, and then knock down the internal wall so that it's one big room and then finish everything else and, and clean and tidy and, and get the doors in and the skylight in, etc., etc., etc. Cool. But it's just nice that it's finally underway because we like, I'm yes. not stressing anymore. I'm just like, they're doing yeah. it and I know they're doing it and I don't have to fucking yeah. fret every day about something going wrong, which is and, glorious. Yeah. And there's no other like hidden dangers that are going to happen. Yet, no. or, yeah, not, until, yeah. not until we find a body or a bomb or something. You know what I mean? We're, we're okay at the Th- moment. Those are pretty much the only two things left. <laughs> that will stop me at this point, yes. Anything yeah. else, I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, fine. Otherwise, I, I was in London last weekend having an absolute madcap dash. I saw. Seeing all yeah. the shows in the world, which was glorious. But yeah, otherwise, fine. It's, it's all sort of settling and it feels quite nice to be enjoying the summer you know, in, mm. in one way or another. What about you? You're in Portugal, but also you did a live COVID test on air last time and <laughs> it all went wrong yeah, from there. <laughs> it did, yeah. So I, I tested negative and then literally like less than a day after that, I did another one and was positive. And guess what? I'm still positive. Woo! <laughs> um, so yeah, so I've, I've basically just had, however long it is, two weeks now of... Uh, Big old slice of COVID. Yeah, how's it fit? Are you, are you doing okay? You've not had it before, yeah, yeah. right? This is your first. No, I, this is yeah, my okay. very first time. Woo. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel fine now. I had a cough and sneezing and sore throat and all that malarkey yeah. for a while. And uh, Bex then got it off me because obviously like being in a flat, you can't really separate from each other. Nope. And uh, she was quite ill with it, more so than me. Um, Shit. But I think now that we aren't, just coughing at each other in a room <laughs> i'm basically better and she is on the mend as well good okay yes uh, and yeah i'm in sunny portugal um in a little town called viso which is like northern portugal it's near porto as opposed to lisbon we and jess went to porto a few years ago okay did you um, really oh, we did goodness. yeah so have you you said i think last time we spoke about this you were going to be just on a motorway in the sun is that what's been going on Yes. <laughs> as fun as it sounds? Mm, yes, exactly. <laughs> it's as fun as 40 degree heat just walking up and down a motorway sounds. What are you are you just getting like one stretch of road just trying to get the same shot or are they are you moving up and down the motorway for different scenery? What's going on? I think over the the 3 weeks that we're on that motorway Woo! we'll be in different sections of it okay. and uh yeah, we're just yeah, doing sort of like junction by junction like are you are you rerouting lots of very angry motorists 
I guess so, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's closed all day, every day for us, so... And it's like a junction to a junction. Is it that long, or is it just like... Oh, yeah, it's, it's miles, yeah. Fuck. Fucking yeah, Hollywood, so man. I know, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it bloody is. <laughs> and, yeah, then I found out the Metallica are playing in Portugal yeah, today, and it's like... Guys, I'm I'm in the same country. Why didn't you? Why did anyone what, let me know? What more do I need to do apart from be in the same country as you? Surely that's enough <laughs> intent know. to see them. They won't come to England, so like, exactly, fuckers. Mm. God damn it! Well, all right. I think we've talked about this off air, but they seem to be doing quite an interesting uh, set list at the moment. On yeah, the, I mean, the, the apart from the fact that they're closing with Master of Puppets, which is unheard of. Yeah. they're like they're playing Dirty Window. They're yeah. playing like are they playing Harvester of Sorrow or something from the uh, Justice that they haven't played so. in ages? Something really yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird old set list. Yeah, mad. Very cool. Uh, okay, Revelations by Audio Slave. You knew this album. Yes. I did not. Um, do you want to give us some context and history of Audio Slave? I mean, yeah. we've mentioned them a lot. But... We have mentioned them a lot. We've, that we've we've talked about their component parts. So um, they were formed in sort of two thousand and one after. So Soundgarden had split up in, you know, 97 or whatever after the Down on the Upside tour. Rage then split up in, I think 2000 was their last show. The one that I think they filmed, the one that's available to, to watch. And Chris had done Euphoria Morning, his first solo album. And then he was sort of, you know, touring that and floating around. And Rage obviously wanted to do something. And I think someone just sort of suggested, maybe it was Rick Rubin, suggested that they, why not? If you three want to stay together as a music unit, why don't you get old yeah. Chris Cornell? Because he's quite good. And yeah, yeah, and they just sort of got together and, and started jamming. And, you know, they, they sort of wrote, I think they wrote like 20 songs in the first like three weeks of their jamming in, in early 2001. Um, and then it all fell apart. There was a bit of stuff about um, managers, like they both had separate managers. And so of course. there was lots of back and forth about pay and all the other sort of stuff that just kind of gets in the way of, of being a band. And so Chris was in and out because he was just sick of the, the sort of boring minutiae of all that stuff getting in the way of right, okay, yeah. them just playing music. Um, and then I think they finally settled. I think they both fired their respective managers and got a, like a manager for Audio Slave. And there was some uh, dispute between their record labels as well because obviously Chris was signed to whoever and, and Rage, they were sort of, you know, distributed by. And so they came to a deal where they were going to alternate. So the first record would be these guys and the second record would be these guys back and forth, which obviously yeah. worked out better for one of them because they only did three albums. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and so through sort of 2002, they, they you know, they started, they went to the studio, recorded, started touring and playing live they did Ozfest and they played that show there's a really great video they played on top of the Ed Sullivan theatres like marquee okay and yeah from there you know they've toured the first album went into the studio again did Ed Out of Exile in 2005 um, they were the first American band to ever play in Cuba which was also filmed they played yeah. a show in Havana yeah. a free show um, which is cool there's like a little documentary that goes with it and then a year later, they did Revelations. They, they, there's like a quote from Chris saying they basically wanted to be a band that did an album, taught it for a year, did an album, taught it for a year, did an album, taught like like the old school sort of. Yeah, they they were gonna have plans of releasing an album every year, basically, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, like like you would, you know, back in the sixties and seventies, I guess. But they actually, all instead, all fell apart. They did this album, yeah, uh, released some singles. They never did a tour, which was like for me because this is when I got into them. I got into them. Or enduring out of exile, I heard your time as well. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, I'd heard Cochise and, and Show Me How to Live on Kerrang, but I yeah. never followed it up for some reason. Right. And so I heard Your Time Has Come and I, you know, bought that album and then bought uh, Thingy. So I was there for this album on release and I was like, they're going to tour, I'm going to get to see Audio Slave. And instead they I broke see. up. 
and yeah, and they've basically never played any of these songs live. <laughs> no, basically not. No, and then they, you know, they sort of did a little reunion in 2016 at like a little club for some charity gig, and there was an mm-hmm. interview where Chris was like, "Yeah, me and Tom have been talking about getting back together and maybe touring or maybe doing another album," and then. As is always the case with my talking about Chris, you know, it happened and now, you know, another loss for yes. No More Audio Slave. But yeah, so this album came out in 2006, like a year after Out of Exile, so they were on schedule. And yeah, they released some singles, but they never toured it. And instead, they were sort of saying, yeah, we're going to tour. And then the next thing you heard was, actually, no, Chris is going to leave the band. And then, yeah, we've broken up. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, it's it's very much the down on the upside of Audio Slave. It is. Yeah, it really, really so it's, is. Uh, for us, it's a characteristic way to begin. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course, we would start at the end. Yeah, literally the end. Yeah, well, I, I sort of did the opposite with Audio Slave. I had the self-titled debut. Yeah. Um, my friend sort of showed it to me, and I was like, this is fantastic. Yep. So I got that, and then got out of exile because of that, and uh, and then I guess I never listened to this. No. You, did, no. you, you know the singles, Revelations and Original Fire? Did you ever hear them? Uh, well, we'll get into it, but okay. there's like a weird chunk in the middle of the album that I know. <laughs> okay. But I no, I'd never heard Revelations. Strange. Or like, the I know that the, those are the only two singles, but there's also like a couple of like, in quote marks, big songs from this yeah. album, like elsewhere apart from singles. And I, I hadn't heard them, but yeah, there's like the, the middle section of the album. I was like, oh, I know this one. I know this one. Strange. Yeah. That is strange. So before we, because we can sort of kind of jump straight in, I think, but I will quickly, you've, now that you've just said the first album, I, I think I always assumed that the first album was like revered, like like people were so high, excited by Rage and Audio Slave getting together. Mm-hmm. But looking at like reviews for it this week, it was sort of like down the middle. Like it doesn't seem like... Oh, really? Yeah. Like certainly I read a classic high and mighty Pitchfork review and Pitchfork gave it 1.7. Wow. Yeah. There's like this really famous Ed Sheeran. They've reviewed Ed Sheeran's third album, Plus or Divide or whatever the fuck it was called. Yeah. And it's like a 2 out of 10 and it's scathing. And this is apparently worse than that. Wow. I mean, that is that is impressive. I didn't yeah. think there was anything worse than an Ed Sheeran album. <laughs> Me neither. But yeah, it got, it got the classic three stars in Rolling Stone. NME gave yeah. it 4 out of 10, you know. I think mm. I just assumed because it sold quite well the first one, and obviously people were excited by them being a band. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It just—it's apparently it's not as revered as I assumed it was. Yeah, I sort of always imagined it was. I guess it's yeah one of those things that fans probably really enjoyed it, but critics might not have done. Critics less so. Yeah. Yeah. Strange. Yeah. So released fourth September two thousand six, got to number two in America, where a girl band called Danity Kane were number one, who I've never heard of. No. Um, and got to number 12 in the UK, where Kasabian were number one. Okay. Um, it got to number one in the UK rock chart, US rock chart, and also number one in Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Oh. Uh, which is, yeah, which is cool. And it's, in terms of sales, it is definitely like a step down from the rest. Yeah. So previously they'd been platinum or multi-platinum in America, Canada, New Zealand, Australia. This one was gold instead. And then similarly, the previous albums were at least gold in the UK and then this one was silver. So it was definitely like a sort of a step down in in all territories, seemingly. Um, But it it still sold close to a million worldwide, which, you know, is still still good. But when you're used to, I don't know, 
uh, super unknown levels. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, it's not quite the same. It's recorded at the Henson Recording Studios in LA, which we've discussed before is the like Jim Henson Studios, and they for some reason have a music part in there. I guess, I guess for the the songs. Well, and his, yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Um, and produced by Brendan O'Brien, who had mixed. I think he'd mixed Out of Exile, and then they decided. Obviously, he's he's yeah. worked with. Chris before, at least before yeah. and, and yeah. worked with them before and done, done most albums we've t- talked about but yeah. Um, yeah I think he'd mixed the previous one and they said well why don't you come and produce this one yeah um, this one was mixed by a guy called Nick Didia uh, I think I'm saying his name correctly I hope I am um, and he he's he's a weird one because he hasn't got a Wikipedia page oh. like most of these people but then you go on his website and he's done like <laughs> he's worked with Pearl Jam Bruce Springsteen oh yeah Rage Against Machine, uh, he's done Mastodon, uh, Incubus. This sounds like he just works with Brendan O'Brien. Doesn't Brendan O'Brien do all of these people as well? Oh, possibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. maybe he just mixes for Brendan O'Brien. Yeah, that would make, make sense. Yeah, he did uh, Conspiracy of One by The Offspring, he did Evil Empire, Battle of Los Angeles. Yeah, a couple of Bruce Springsteen albums. Yeah. So lots of stuff. And it was it was mastered by Bob Ludwig, who we've definitely mentioned in the past as doing a lot of things. Yes. So um, I think it's interesting that you said that when they were doing their like original jamming and debut album and stuff that they had about 20 songs quite quickly because that seemed to be the situation with this. It sounded like they had mm. about 20 songs ready for this. And a lot of this album was sort of written within a few weeks see yeah I mean again I feel like that's that sort of model of old you know the old music industry isn't it like if you were yeah. if you're doing an album every six months you, you don't really have time to normally like Metallica spend eight years making an album but yeah yeah, you, you can't do that if you if it's literally a cycle so I mean it kind of makes sense you release the album tour for a year write the album record the album tour for a year you know what I mean yeah and I think a lot of it they actually wrote and maybe partly recorded whilst they were still on the Out of Exile tour as well because they didn't finish that till the January. There is a video of them playing Sound of a Gun on the Out of Exile tour because Chris right. says, you've never heard this one before. All right. <laughs> and then they play. Yeah, I guess that's the... Because there, there are four songs from this that they have played live. Yeah. Sound of a Gun being the most played live with nine whole plays. Woo! So yeah, I, I guess they um, they just tested a few of them yeah. whilst they were on tour. Lucky people. Um, the only people to ever see those songs live. Yeah, exactly. Sound of a Gun, one and the same, original fire, and two audiences got to see Wide Awake live. Oh, gosh. Would have liked to be one of those two audiences. Yes, me too. <laughs> um, and they, they sort of see this as a, not a deviation, but a, a slight difference in terms of musical style from the yeah. previous two. I think, especially the first one, people and probably them, they just saw it as... Soundgarden meets Rage Against the Machine yep. as a big mashup, which I guess it is, thinking yeah. about it. Um, and, and this still is, really, I would say. Yeah, of course. Um, but they, Tom is sort of quoted as saying that this album, to them, they were sort of going for a Earth, Wind and Fire meets Led Zeppelin sort of thing. Which, I mean, I this one does is a bit more funky, I think, than... Yeah, I feel that's like, how you described it when we got it last week. Yeah, I think, because the first one does just sound like sort of Rage Against the Machine, but with Chris Cornell on top of them, for the most part. Yeah. Stuff like yeah. I Am The Highway doesn't, but, you know, like, the rest of it kind of could just be Zach could rap over the top of it for the most part. Mm-hmm. Whereas this has definitely got a bit more of that 70s, like, funkin' stuff. Yeah, yeah. But no complaints from me. Good, 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 good. And uh, 
Did you see that the way they announced the album title and cover and everything no. with Google Earth? Because the the cover is that um, they, they've got the that logo, which is like the sort of the flamey flame, yeah. leaf sort of thing, and um, so the cover is that like a photo of Earth from space, and it's like that as a landmass on the side of the Earth. So as a as an announcement marketing thing, they basically created that on Google Earth as oh, like cool. Audio Slave Island or something. It was like somewhere deep in the Pacific. That's and uh, that's how they announced it, which is very cool. That is cool. Yes. Uh, shall we? Would you like to do a, a people listing and a track listing? Let's do it. So I'm going to try and do all of it without looking at my notes because I don't think Why I need. Okay. Never again. Woke up this morning. <laughs> Yeah, just for Okay, you've got Chris Cornell on the vocals. You've got Tom Morello on the guitar. You've got Tim Comerford on the bass and Brad Wilk on the drums. Uh, as usual, with all Audio Slave slash Rage Against the Machine things, there is a little note in the album that says, all the noises you hear were made by us and nothing else, which yeah. annoyed me again in the Pitchfork review. The One of the things he complained about was that the solo for Show Me How to Live, you know, the bit in the middle that's just like... He was like, they have a weird synthesized violin for no reason. It's like, oh, fucking do your research. Okay, so here we go with the track listing. Not looking, closing the eyes. Okay, Revelations, one and the same. Sound of a Gun, Until We Fall, Original Fire, Broken City, Some Days, Shape of Things to Come, Jewel of the Summertime, Wide Awake... Uh, nothing left to say but goodbye and moth very impressive Kyle thank you Um, 16 years of listening to an album will do that to you I think yeah I can imagine Um, so is this the one you know the best then no no not at all I I say I would know all three of them a lot (laughs) pretty big okay fine well let's uh, shall we get into Revelations let's get into Revelations cool well it's it catches you off guard from the from the first moment because it starts with this like acoustic picking and you're like, oh, okay, this is different. And then just suddenly an audio slave riff just happens yeah, it after a couple of bars of that, which is, and it, I mean, it is very funky and it, it does have quite a Led Zepp feel to it, yeah. I would say. I don't know if it's maybe the tone of his guitar or something. Yeah, it's but... not quite full distortion, is it? It's sort of, mm. it does sound quite 70s in its like crunchiness. Yeah, but it's, it still feels like a classic them riff. Oh, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. Tom can't escape himself, I don't think. No. Uh, which is maybe something we'll we'll get into for better yeah. or worse, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And it also, I think, as well as sounding like Led Zeppelin a lot, I think there's quite a uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers feel to some of this because it does yeah. have that that funky uh, sort of. They've got a bit of a soul, bit of a funk side yeah. to them. And I mean, in the second chorus on this, there's like a, there's a backing vocal that comes in, mm-hmm. and it's it sounds like John Frusciante yeah. all the way. Mm-hmm. Which is which is nice. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. I'd forgotten again. I know we listened to Nickelback, but it's always a pleasure to hear loud bass like in a mix. And obviously, Tim Comerford is one of the all-time greats. Tim is great, isn't he? Yeah, it's just so nice that he's got his own place in the mix and that he does whatever he wants. Like it's even when he's following yeah. Tom, he always throws in little bits and pieces. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's just always a pleasure to listen to him. And then of course, Chris. I think Chris sounds great on this album. This is 2006, Chris. This was him like sort of clean. Yeah, they they said that he wasn't smoking or drinking or doing anything for this album for like the first time, basically. Yeah, and I was I was going to ask you that actually is that part of the reason that his sort of massive voice wasn't there in his earlier solo stuff because he was smoking more. So his his second solo album actually is after this, which is I think when he sounds quite tired. It's weird because like he sounds he sounds more tired on that than he sounds on this, and then by uh, six years after this. 
when they did mm. King Animal, he can suddenly he's fucking up there again and you know having yeah. no trouble. And yeah, I don't really know, but I may, maybe it's just something that your body has to get used to, like a whole new way of you know dealing with yeah. singing. I guess after years and years and years. But they also the thing about this album I remember reading at the time is that this was the first one of theirs that he did the vocals sort of live. Like he would always sing over them because they play live a lot. I think Rage do the same thing where they record yeah. like live in the studio, and he would sing scratch tracks and then go home to his own studio and re-record everything. But oh, right. on okay. this album, a lot of it is just him at the same time as them. Like he was a bit more free and a bit more like, yeah, fuck it, let's use that take instead of perfecting every line. Right. When so that they would be playing in in one room and he'd just be in a booth next to them or something. Basically, yeah. And then and so what you're hearing is a lot more them actually playing together instead of you know. Yeah, it it does have like a a band playing feel, doesn't it? It Which does. They can, they nice. kind of always do. Yeah, like Rage. I feel like they always sound because they are normally in the same room. But they you know it yeah. has really has that live feel, uh, yeah. and it works really well. Yeah. Um, the verse always catches me out on this song because it's like three rounds. It's like three pairs of lines, and it just it just doesn't make sense. Even like it feels like one and a half yeah. verses, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But and it's not like the third one sort of leads up into a chorus or no. He just sort changes. of shouts the last word. And yeah, then, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah, that always puts me off strangely. Um, so obviously we have a lot of solos on this album. Which I was going to say, is this what you were into? when you're saying Tom fight? You know, I did. I didn't know if you were alluding to his penchant for solos and some of the ones you're going to hear on this. Is that what you're, yeah, you're alluding I mean, to? There is a lot of soloing, and I think I mean I don't want to get into it just yet, maybe, but I think his riffs. Like I I really like his riff style, but they all sort of rely on the same scale. Yeah, a lot of the time, like ninety percent of the time, and so some of them just sound like copies of others, or like not as good versions of others that you already know, and things like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, so let, let's talk solos. I mean, this one does happen quite organically, at least um, for yeah. a hymn style solo. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it's it's nice to have it in the opening track because it sort of reminds you of he's here in in every aspect of of his guitar playing that's yes he's back and he's doing his thing um yeah do you like this solo yeah i do so this is one of his tricks where i remember reading about this as well at the time he's got this is like so the thing i can't remember is that on out of exile he would he didn't write any solos apparently he would like put the headphones on and then he would say to brendan or whoever was producing or rick maybe would say pick a track and don't tell me what track you're picking and just give me like 20 seconds before the solo and I'll just do a solo. Wow, And, okay. and so he would just be like, oh, it's this one, fuck, and then he would just go for it. So pretty much all the solos in Out of Exile are just him like having a go. And I can't remember if the same is true here or if, mm. he, was, if he was writing them, but I know that for, the, for this solo, he has, because it definitely sounds a bit more planned, he's got two amps, one of them is phase and one of them is not phase, uh, and he's doing his kill switch duh, hammer on with the delay that mad thing that I have absolutely no idea how he does um, yeah so that and it just sounds so it's all like you know flipping around your ears it's yeah. cool. like you say it works it's not one where he's being sort of ostentatious but not like bring him back alive like you know what I mean yeah I think yeah sometimes that that's interesting, knowing that that's how he did it on Out of Exile, because it, it does sound sometimes like he's just gone. Fuck Let's it, do something weird. Yeah, it is yeah. weird, isn't it? How it, sometimes it naturally like he know he like nails it, and sometimes you get, he's sort of freewheeling. Yeah, definitely. Uh, did you notice that Chris says the words "apple bite" in the bridge in this song? Yeah, 
Yeah. A little nod and a wink. Yeah, of course, of course. So good. Um, to that song we yeah. don't like. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so to me, I know we just talked about Chris's voice, but to me it almost sounds like he sort of warms up into the album. Yeah. Um, like I, I feel like on this track, especially because it's an opening track and it is a big singly track for them, it sounds like he's holding back slightly, like it doesn't yeah. feel like he's giving everything, whereas I feel like once you get to Sound of a Gun, he's 100% there, I would say, in, yeah. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's uh, that's just me. Should we get on to some... Yeah, we absolutely should. So, I mean, this is cool. I like that that wah heavy intro. And then I do like this. It's Bulls on Parade, isn't it? It is Bulls on Parade, absolutely, yeah. And then I do love that riff, like the da 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 it is, yeah. Um, I do enjoy it. Again, three rounds or one and a half rounds in the verse. I mean, he's just trying to... I don't know if it's them and then he fits his vocals into that or if he's like, nope, this is all I've got for this, so yeah. we're just doing one <laughs> yeah. and a half for this. Chorus comes in right here, yeah. I love the um, the bass in this, the verse of this, that's just a slide. That's fucking cool. Like, yeah. Yeah, he's just walking all over the shop. I mean, of course he is. He's Tim Comerford. He doesn't sit still, does he? But no, he certainly doesn't. And God, I think he's, he, he's mostly following that like that main riff. He's following that like note by note rather than just doing the the roots or the. Yeah, or he the is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. He wouldn't just go dun 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 dun. He's Of course he is. I mean, yeah, it's kind of simple because the the chorus, the whole chorus, is just that wah with Tim walking or like that it's just wow wow and Tim's going dun 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 so yeah it's kind of a strange it, little section it is isn't it it's it's not like what you'd expect from a chorus no not at all it doesn't break into some big like da-da. it's just like da, yeah da, like just sort of driving through how do you feel about the solo in this one a more a, like a genuinely sort of traditional guitar solo almost uh I actually can't remember off the top of my head I have put in my notes is there going to be a solo in every song so that <laughs> maybe that's how I feel about it but of course there is it's Tom Morello always a guitar a solo quick it's listen. like it's basically just shred wow 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 yes it is a, a more classic solo isn't yeah. it it ends with the classic Tom Morello, like just picking as fast, just to remind you that he's not all about silly noises. Like, yeah, exactly. Can properly yeah. shred. He was like taught by you know Michelangelo Battio or someone ridiculous. Like he does know what he's doing. Yeah, no, it is it is a, a solo that's actually sort of yeah. It's not just sound effects, basically. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. It's very cool. Um, sound of a gun. So this is, this? I mean, yeah, it's it's a cool song. I love that. The, again, the guitar on this is not nearly as heavy as you'd expect. Like the, mm. it's really kind of scratchy and and like radioish yeah. almost. Um, but the the interesting thing is this starts on this album a few like political songs, which is something I don't yeah. think Chris ever did again, and that they hadn't done previously, considering you know he was with the members of Rage Against the Machine. Like yeah, yeah, I, I find that odd. I, I guess maybe they just said like, look, we're in a completely different project. You know that was a very political project, and this doesn't have the same plan. Like not plan, but like it doesn't have the same like reason for being, or like the same yeah. purpose or same thing we're trying to achieve. Yeah, it's more about this or this rather than 
what Rage were trying to do, yeah. And obviously Zach's so like, you know, he's he's on the front lines, he's you know, he's like genuinely mm. getting arrested for things. Whereas Chris isn't and it maybe would have felt a bit forced if Chris was singing about you know what I yeah. mean? About like Clinton or whatever and then Bush without yeah. a reason. Whereas obviously I think by the time this came round and Katrina had happened and the Iraq war was obviously going wrong, like mm-hmm. he probably himself was like, Actually I do have a, a a thing to say about this and now it makes sense for me to say it instead of Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you get yeah, this is sort of about like, you know, seemingly just the state of America at the time with, with a few hints at like the Iraq war, you know, um the chorus is literally all running from the sound of a gun until mm-hmm. you're weary, which annoyingly is still very relevant. 16 years yes. later in America, because they're fucking stupid. Um, yes. But yeah, like, it's cool. I like the... That that main riff is great. Yeah. Uh, and then the verse is really simple. Like, he's just playing strumming chords with the bass going. Yeah, like, it's sort dun. of... When the song starts, it sounds like it's going to go into something like Like a Stone. Yes. Because it's the, the, do, like the two do, notes. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Uh, and then it does the th- same thing that Revelations did, where it just goes... Boom, straight into a big riff and yeah. that riff really throws me off because it is just a straight 4-4 four, four, but because it keeps having like the chops and the stops yeah. you think like hang on what time signature are we in yeah, but yeah. it is literally just 4-4 four, four. Four, yeah it is um, a, it's an odd little one yeah but yeah it, it is interesting that's, I mean that's two songs in a row where I'd say solos don't uh, sorry solos choruses don't necessarily do what you expect like they yeah. they tend to bring the the tempo not tempo but they bring the intensity down into a chorus and they sort of like sit there with a sort of repeated line for a bit rather than yeah some some of chris's choruses just massive he's wailing yeah and and everything's huge whereas these are just sort of like sitting in this funky comfortable mm-hmm. zone for a few rounds and then yeah go back into the the main song yeah absolutely it is yeah. fun. How do you feel about the solo on this one, which is just absolute madness? I mean, he literally sounds like a DJ. Wow! Like, like, I, like I, I don't know. Yeah, what is he I doing? Know, I don't know how he's doing it. Neither do I. This is also so. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, though whether or not it was off air or cut out or whatever. But this is the song I mentioned where this, the bridge of this song is in "Drown Me Slowly." Like he, the lyrics in this, he'd already used them. Yeah, I read that, I think, yeah. Yeah, if you go to 2.44 in Drown Me Slowly, the bit in the middle when he's saying, don't let them take you down, that bit, underneath the second round. Son of a gun. Yeah, so I don't know why why he reused that line, because Drown Me Slowly doesn't seem to be about the same thing at all, but it's just, no. and that, that sort of bridge is about, I, I really like that bridge, I've always really liked that bridge, when he says... It seems they put a shine on this place when I was young, or maybe I just don't see it now. Like that's such I really yeah, like that. That's really great lyrics. Yeah, but I don't know why he chose to reuse that. Maybe they'd already written this song, and then I like you know what I mean. With maybe. The, yeah. yeah. Who knows? It is strange. I, I think um, we, we haven't mentioned him yet, but I think Brad sounds so good on this song. It's like it's the perfect riff for him to just like not do anything like crazy. Like it's not like he's doing anything like Brian Daler, but it's the perfect riff with those stops and like massive crashes yeah. that he can just sound like he's having so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. There's something great. I, I always love, you know, when it cuts down after that sort of slow version of the chorus and mm. then it's just this really scratchy riff and then he goes, dun, da, dun, oh, yes. like there's That's something great about that. Feel. Yeah. Fuck. I love it. Yeah. Cause again, you can imagine that they were all in that room and like the energy just from yeah. him doing that would just be so good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, Love it. Um, so until we fall, Kyle, yes. this 
the the vocal melody in this and maybe even the chord structure it sounds very very similar to a song called i am the highway and i don't know if you're aware <laughs> but that was also written by a band called audio slave uh, i think i've heard of it once or twice i think i listened to it yesterday actually yeah i the first time i listened to this album i was like oh why is this song here yeah <laughs> they just changed some of the words wait a minute yeah it's it's so similar and it's i don't know it started making me think are we because especially because as i said like some of the riffs sound like they're literally riffing on old ideas as well and then you, you're talking yeah. about old lyrics coming back it's like why is there this sort of reliance on the back catalogue yeah like yes you're pushing your music forwards but there's still so many ideas that are coming from stuff you've already released which I, mm. I just find a little bit strange yeah I think I would agree it's quite a like it's a strange little song this like it's like mostly mm. acoustic like the chorus the second chorus has like big band stuff but it's it's just the feel doesn't really change it's just a, a sort of bigger yeah. guitar comes in but it, and he goes to the crash cymbal but yeah you know it's not like a huge shift in dynamics is, is there a solo in this song there isn't there's like the little one out of the first chorus right just that like yeah and then there's like a much different riff at the end like a bluesy yeah riff at the end yeah yeah like it's a but yeah i like I, I i don't mind this song at all but you're right it does have it sort of sits strangely on the in terms mm-hmm. of its dynamics and its style compared to the yeah. rest of the record. It, it sounds most closely like U2, I would say, yeah. in the chorus. It, it's got their kind of, their feel. Yeah. So now, Kyle, we get to three songs which somehow I knew. Why on earth did I know Original Fire, Broken City and Some Days? One was a single, I guess, but I don't know how you knew Broken City and Some Days. <laughs> <laughs> I can only think, because obviously there was... You know, we got to um, Soundgarden in episode three, and I know in that you sort of referenced, say, oh, you would like, oh, listen to Limo Crash from this other Soundgarden album. I can only assume that at some point in the last couple of years, we've mentioned, oh, just check out this little bit of this song. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. But Neither do I. Were they, was there like an audio slave pack on rock band or Guitar Hero or something? Or like a there wasn't was there? Or like no, a, I don't. I don't, I don't think, think so. A, I don't remember no. that kind of thing on there because I, I, mean, I remember like Rage being very. Yeah. It was it was quite a thing like oh shit there's a Rage song and this yeah. Guitar Hero like they they weren't really on there very much. No. Um, yeah, I have no idea how you know this song then. But yeah, well I mean it it starts with a very sort of Motowny. It's so. This is so seventies yeah. and sixties. Yeah. It? Yeah. Just straight in all snare drum like nothing else but Chris. Yeah. And then, and then the the bass in this—it's all about the bass in this because Tom's doing fuck all, bow down, dun 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 dun, and Tim's just bum 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 diddle diddle fucking yeah, he's he's having a lot of fun, isn't he? I think songs like this remind me a lot of like Rolling Stones sort of rock and roll, like it's that sort of earlier fun, sort of soulful, like yeah, it's got that sort of sound to it. It's very nice. It is. And yeah. it's so playable as well. It's like you can probably just play this right now. Down, yes. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, anyone, that's true. Anyone can do that. you got to love it. Um, it's also another six-line verse. How do you feel about that? <laughs> mm, of course. You know, it, it throws me. <laughs> um, I, I would like to see them go, like, fully into... Like, if, if they're going to make a song in this style, I would like to see them go fully into that and explore yeah. it and maybe have some, like 
backing vocalists in the chorus, like doing some oohs and like it's just perfect for it. It is. You could throw um, everything at this, couldn't you? Like yeah, the big, I, I, the big yeah, sound. I really, I really think so. And then I would say this is a song where I think a Tom Morello solo is not necessary. So I've got like, that. I've got yeah. the perfect reply to this, which is that mm. I've written in my notes, tell him the Brendan O'Brien story. Okay. So I remember at the time in Guitar Hero or whatever I was reading, Guitar World or whatever, he said that he when the, he did the solo to this song, he recorded it. And just for reference for anyone listening, it sounds like a duck. It's yes. basically just... Wap, 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 wap. It's really strange. Um, he finished recording it and stood up because obviously I think he had to like be in front of his amp or whatever to do his weird tremolo thing. Yeah. And Brendan O'Brien went... Can you play the real solo now? And he, <laughs> and he went, that was the real solo. My God. Okay. I just, yeah. It's because I think because the song sounds like a completely different genre, for him then to just just revert back to his sound effects. Like gimmicks. It, which, I mean, I yeah. like that. I say gimmicks and that sounds bad, but it's not. No, it, I, like, I, know I adore him as a player. but derogatory, but yeah, it's he's got a very specific style he leans of doing on it, that. And, yeah, sometimes, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and if he's not going to lean on that for the song, I don't know why he would for the solo necessarily. Yes, yeah, it does make me laugh though. Still, every time it, because it's so silly. Yeah, like I can't help but just laugh at like, him making a duck noise. <laughs> um, Broken City. I fucking love this song. It's so Do you? yeah, it's so understated and strange. Like it starts. I love that it comes in like on the upbeat as well. So when he comes in, it sounds like he's coming on the wrong part of the beat. Yeah. The dun dun. Dun, dun, like that and you think and then he duh, duh, and then it like cocks yeah. it out but it's just so like it's just so yeah it's so it's really funky but really simple yeah and uh yeah I, I just i don't know i've just always really liked it i don't know why i can't i can't really explain my love for it apart from that it's like a weird little middle of the album track that sure sort of with like a big old chorus i do love his bass in the chorus though it sounds like he's playing all of the wrong notes like it's literally every note is wrong i don't know what he's doing i mean one of them must be correct there's there's so many Uh, of them yeah i think so it's it's weird yeah um it it is quite like a that sort of dark plodding chorus that it does feel quite soundgarden-y doesn't it that sort of idea yeah and i think a lot of the choruses on this album he stays on the hi-hat which might be why they don't Mm -hmm. quite feel like choruses Uh, yeah they don't like open up into big you know what i mean he just stays on the stat and like everything else sort of changes so that maybe that's Mm -hmm. why they don't always feel like they've they've done a big shift do you how do you feel about this one do you not like this one um it's fine i mean i i think because i knew these three i also sort of was aware that i didn't like love any of them yeah um and i i would maybe pair broken city and some days in that they do both sound like songs where they've had a they've sort of very quickly put together a song based around one riff or one vocal idea and there's not a huge amount of scope to them and i know obviously like not every song has to be a huge opus but Yes, yeah. you know, some days relies on one riff. It's a very cool riff, but it just basically relies around that and a repeated vocal. And then Broken City relies around a, a repeated vocal a lot as well. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with them. I think I just, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe I'm coming to expect more at this point, but I don't know why. Okay. Harsh. What a criticism. 
Should we jump to some days then? Because you've sort of covered it in in the you know that it's centered yes. around a riff and and it's a weird one for you to know though. How do you know this song? I I don't know. I, maybe it's because I don't know. Maybe we once mentioned Original Fire, so yeah. I listened to that and then the, the next the two, two songs just sort of carried on. And then yeah. I was like, okay, that's that's them. Because then I don't yes. I didn't know the rest of it. It's yeah, it's, it's strange. This uh, so this yeah, this is such a classic Tom riff. Bam bam like that's so Tom. And I like th- that said though, I do love the verse riff in this. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like which again is very classic Tom, but like in the best way possible, I think. No, yeah, I mean that does sound really fun and there's there are for for a band that doesn't have actual sound effects and other things going on there's so many sounds and things happening yeah. in the spaces in that verse and yeah it's knowing him he's he's probably doing it all in in one go yeah <laughs> and i don't know how he would no. do that or you how you put it, that together you? yeah, yeah. It's, and like i just don't know how you write it like no. if, t- if tim's going that's my riff and tom's like well i'll i guess i'll do this why yeah He's, uh, he must have quite a brain on him. Yes, he must. Well, he went to Harvard, didn't he? So That's true. Yeah. That makes sense. I also, I've always loved, just completely apropos of nothing, I've always loved the line, at the right place, but in the wrong life. I think that's yes. a great line. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, line. he does, yeah, his songwriting on this, obviously, I mean, his songwriting is, is generally pretty stellar. But yeah, there's some, some great, great lyrics in this album. Yes, so this is, uh, for me, this is the, the solo that I think I find the least necessary. I know we've talked about some, like, weird moments, but, like, yeah. you come out of the second chorus with that big slide riff, and then it's just that, like, again, it's kind of like the Show Me How to Live solo. It's just like, like a really weird, yeah. it's just like, it doesn't do anything. Like, I don't know. It's not, like, yeah. interesting in a Tom Morello way, and it's not very musical. I don't know why yeah. it's there. It doesn't, like, it doesn't come out of nowhere or, or feel at odds with the song but it yes. also it doesn't yeah it it's not like crazy enough to be like whoa listen to yeah. that yeah because yeah. like when they're silly like you say they can be silly but at least it's like oh fuck what is he doing but yeah. this isn't like that it's just like he's just tremolo picking and I, <laughs> I don't really know why no yeah i would i would definitely agree um shape of things to come oh now this is a fucking banger this I won't hear. I won't hear anything bad said against it. <laughs> okay then. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm only kidding. How do you feel about it? Uh, I I think this riff masquerades itself as a right classic, great audio slave riff. Yeah. And then when he when you actually sort of like break it down and, and think about it, for me it's like mm, it just feels like a simplified version of something he's probably already done. Like it. It feels like it goes to all the same places, but it doesn't actually have that many notes in it. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like he sort of bounces around, but maybe it's only like between three notes rather than, I don't know. Because I mean, he, he always plays with that sort of open and second fret going up. And yeah. I feel like, you know, something like, I know this is bass, but like something like Bomb Track is obviously using the whole range of that. Yeah. yeah. And and something like Cochise is like doing a massive descending through them all but when you actually look at the pieces of this this has got it's got like that idea of descending and and chopping and stopping through all that stuff but then it just doesn't actually go that far with it yeah i think he like 
when he's not leaning on the open two, he he does a lot of three five and maybe like ten twelve as well. Yeah, like yeah. if you think of like gasoline, that's true, yeah. like that's just those and stuff like this feels a bit like if it's got the sort. I think it's ten twelve because it sounds a bit like Spoonman as well. That's like, true. It's got, yeah. it's got yeah. that. But if you think of something like Bring Him Back Alive, which is like that's the similar yeah. notes, but with a bit more movement in it. Whereas this is just very staccato. But yeah, I know what you mean. Because he leans on those, like, you know, the, the third and the fifth and the seventh and the, you know, like the octave. Mm-hmm. Like when he's not doing something like between them, you can be like, oh, it's that note again. And it's that note again. Yeah, but, yeah. I think this has a very... This definitely leans more on the Zeppelin than the Earth, Wind and Fire. This is very... Uh, yeah. yeah. And I think Chris is all over the shop. Like, all over the... Sorry, I was going to say all over the shop like a bad thing. What I meant is he's all over it, but... No, I mean, his, his lyrics in this are brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I love that chorus. The chorus is absolutely huge. He's just wailing all over it. But yeah, the mm-hmm. verse is really understated. It's just really like, you know, two-picking like rim shots and sort of, sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I just love that chorus. And then the solo in this, again, he, he goes for like... Guitar of Guitar Hero of the Year shredding instead of <laughs> it's true yeah like fucking Christ alive yeah let's do uh, Jewel uh, of the Summertime which has a drum intro for the goddamn ages oh this is so funky this song this is fucking this is so goddamn great and this is weird because the bass is all in the right ear in this and the guitar is all in the left doing like phasey like swells is it? the yeah, bass is which all is in just, the right yeah what? at least at Who the start does that? And I, I, no, they never do that. Like it's so strange. Oh, yeah, yeah, that is weird, isn't it? Which is, yeah, that's not they. They're both down the middle at all times because they're so prevalent in the whole mix. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. This is funky again. Chris is killing it on this song. Yeah, it, it's sort of funky, but like really dark and like yes, it's got that super low tone that something like um, Mailman or Fourth of July yeah. has, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, absolutely. Like he's not singing. It could be like a really upbeat sort of summary. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And, he, and he's singing about like a, like a traumatized childhood or whatever, like taking drugs yeah. and various other things. Yeah. It's not nice. And yeah, Brad is all over it on the song. Brad is yes. just absolutely killing it. That bloody Philly does into the solo. Like oh, you don't yeah. hear him do that stuff like often enough. He's yeah. Ooh. I I really I really love the guitar riff in the chorus because you think. It's just following the vocal melody, yeah. which would be really fun and, and sort of what you'd expect from this sort of funky like track like this. But yeah. it, and it sort of does follow it in the first round, but then you yeah. realise it's just doing this whole thing that only goes round one time in the whole yeah. chorus. And it's just going down and down and down yeah. and down. And yeah, that's such an interesting thing to do. It is, and it's very untom to do just yeah. like a to do yeah. like that's not he would normally because he loves a re- repeated yeah riff he does, doesn't it yeah. yeah just just the same thing yeah to like catch you as an earworm yeah how do you feel about the solo on this one I have no idea what he is doing it doesn't make any sense the solo I'm, I'm song. just listening to Tim in the solo because he sounds so dark and fuzzy and yeah he does cool. yeah he does <laughs> he's killing it. Yeah. I like yeah because knowing how small Tom Morello's pedalboard is, I just can't fathom what how he is making those noises. What is he pressed and what is he doing? Yeah, it it is it is strange, isn't it? He's um, a madman. Sorry, just just going back to Tim again. Has of he course. got like he sounds super fuzzy in this song? But has he got like an octave pedal as well? Because he sounds like he's got that. You know when when it like, it plays like an octave lower and you can sort of hear almost like a two note. Like you can hear this. Yeah lower thing that's like holding everything 
yeah, together. I think I know he's got he's obviously got distortion pedals and he's mm. got a wah pedal, but I don't think he's got like a whammy like Tom does where yeah. you can have like harmonies. But I'm pretty sure like Josh, old bass player, had mm. a pedal that gave you an octave below. Like I can't remember what it was called, but you would press right. it and it would just double whatever you were playing an octave below. Maybe he's got that. Maybe that's the because I know what you mean. It does sound more than it is. You know what I mean? More than mm-hmm. just a one person and an amp. So yeah, maybe he's got a similar thing. His pedal board's also enormous, so I'm not quite sure. Yeah. I'm, never, I'm never sure what he's got, but yeah. probably one of everything. <laughs> um, sorry, we haven't actually mentioned how like cool the vocal style is in the core in, in the verses, like with the sort of part lines and then the yeah. like the vocalizations and like it's yeah. so fun and just like follows that riff. Oh, it's so good, so so. It good. is. It's so so good. Uh, this is also. Like the second song on this album that has a fade out, which is very sixties and seventies. Yes, and then like, suddenly we get them like almost every song, nonstop. From this yeah. Point. yeah, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Like no yeah, one does I fade outs anymore. They certainly don't do fade no, outs, do they? Absolutely no. not. Not before this. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I guess it's allowable because the style of the song, like it, it yeah. makes sense for the style of the song. But um, yeah, and and the outro has that sort of repetitive. They're just vamping like, on it, aren't they? Going, like, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, should we just go into maybe the biggest track on the album instead? Yeah. Why by which we... you mean the best track on the album? Uh, by which I mean the best track. On yeah, the album, yes. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So this is Chris at his. This is the most political, absolutely like down the line about Katrina, about yeah. George Bush's terrible response to Katrina. But it's so good. It. Just, I love that it just starts as well, like that. That straight in. Yeah. Just don't bump it a little. Like oh, no. That repeating bass line of that is so good. Yeah. It's so good. And Tom's barely doing anything. Tom's doing like this weird phasey picking that sort of fades between your ears. But it's yeah. not it's not at all front and centre. Like he's not trying yeah. to, to like show off with a riff. He's just going ding a ding a ding a But this yeah. is all about Chris for me. This is like his by far the best vocal on the on the record. Like Yeah. I mean I know this is jumping to the end of the song, but oh. when when he's screaming wide awake, I feel like that might be the biggest scream I've ever heard from him. That it's in my like if I was to pick like some Chris Cornell moments to show someone, I, this would yeah. be I would jump straight to this. It's like yeah. you know, the, like obviously his Soundgarden Wales. I always show people like you've got to hear this, but yeah, this that that wide awake at the end is just fucking brilliant. He's yeah. sounds like he's about to keel over. I don't know how he's doing it. <laughs> what band was it where the person did faint after oh. screaming? Oh, it was Matt from Bullet for Valentine. It was Matt from Bullet for Valentine. I was going to say Tom Jones, which we've not talked about. Tom Jones? Tom, Tom Jones faints at the end of Thunderball when he sings the big Thunderball. Does he? Like, yeah, apparently he collapsed afterwards. Wow. These yeah. musicians, eh? I know. Silly. Silly people. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about... I mean, we don't really get a solo. We get like a, a riff, An octave, which yeah, melody. I think makes sense because, as you say, it hasn't been a, a riffy guitar-driven no. song. Yeah. It's been very much bass and drums and Chris front and center. Mm-hmm. I think then going into a just a, a riff, like a, a nice bit of guitar, like completely makes sense here. I I've, I feel like if he'd then gone mad with a solo, it would yeah. have kind of. I don't know, just taken over the song a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Espe- especially given the sentiment and everything, it just would have felt a bit like, uh, what, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nothing left to say but goodbye. This is a weird song. Yeah, this riff sounds like Incubus, very much yeah. so. It's got that like slightly wrong note and crunchy yes. um, crunchy tone that like Mike would would definitely use, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And it's weird because halfway through the verses... 
another guitar appears on top of them and it's sort mm. of harmony but not quite and it's also playing some like dong dong ding dong like weird it's a very sort of unsettling yeah this song doesn't really fit I, like i'm not saying i don't like it i'm just saying it like i don't really know what to make of it like as a, as a piece of music no i i think it it struggles because the chorus is in a similar key to wide awake yeah and and it tries to elevate to this similar chord structure and like epic quality that the wide awake chorus had and we're literally following that song yeah and it so it just feels like oh this isn't as good as wide awake yeah <laughs> like i think you just need something completely different like yeah. if you if you've got two songs on a 12 song album that do that with the chorus don't put them next to each other and especially no. this way around yeah especially when one of them is clearly an absolute banger yeah, yeah. I agree. It's got a weird bridge as well, that like double time rapping in the bridge. Yeah, like it's so it sort of comes out, and then it instantly drops down to just like a really muted third verse, and then more strangely, it's got like a cool outro riff that just appears. Really like doomy. Yeah, that just suddenly appears and then fades out. Like where's that coming from? Like it doesn't sound like the rest of the song at all. No, I mean I, I do love it in a song where the whole song builds and then you like finally get the big riff like right at yeah. the end. It's always yeah. fun. But um, yeah, it's like, oh, this is the best bit. Where's, where's this yeah. bit? <laughs> yeah, where's this been the whole time? This should have been the song. And then, Kyle, we get the greatest riff of all time. Ah, oh, so good. And the fact that it fades out and then this song fades in yeah, uh, yes, is yeah. really cool. But yeah, it fades in with what is essentially, I think, like the verse feel, like that. Like with the, it almost feels like what feel. we use for like interludes in this yeah, podcast. Yeah, it does feel like, well, yeah, it's all rim shot and bass. And then again, Brad, shit. Yeah. And then that riff, that glorious, glorious riff. Yeah, oh, I oh. love it. And I, I saw one review saying that this riff was very Black Sabbath-y, which I don't really see at all I, I think it sounds very Led Zeppelin like if we're gonna say they sound like a certain 60s or 70s band yeah. and they've already said we're going for a Led Zeppelin feel like I would say this yeah. is definitely one of the more obvious points of that yeah I know, like it doesn't sound like Black Sabbath at all to me oh god it's and did you see that they wrote and recorded this in a day <laughs> yeah so yeah I wanted to bring that up because it was written because Brendan said they needed an extra song yeah right but I thought they also had 20 songs written for this. Yeah. So, I guess so did the they just go, <laughs> none of them are going to make it, so yeah. we need to make another one? Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Like, yeah. during a session to be, when you've got too many songs, so they need another song. Yeah, but it's it's like the, um, which was the Bruce Springsteen song that they said, right, we need a single, and he just wrote. Oh, like, uh, Dancing in the Dark. <laughs> Dancing in the Dark, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. It, it feels a bit like that. They're like, write, write us the best song, please. Okay, here you go. <laughs> here you go. So why didn't we do this earlier? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and it, it feels very telling to have the f- penultimate song called Nothing Left to Say But Goodbye and then finishing with a song where he's just screaming, I don't fly around your fire anymore. It's like, yeah. okay, Chris, you can leave the band. Yeah. It's fine, just, <laughs> just be honest about it. He's like glaring at them all while he's singing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is, uh, that chorus is enormous though, isn't it? Like, God, it's yes. good. I love, love, yeah. love this riff. And then in the, in the bridge, it's sort of the guitar sounds like that reversed intro in Blackened. Yes, doesn't it? I, and I don't yeah. know. I don't think it is actually backwards, but it, it just sounds like he's got a similar tone or similar style to it. It's just yeah. how he can just he can make his guitar sound backwards when he's playing. That's forward, true. Yeah, so, he pr- so. he probably has a, a button that says "Play me backwards," and he's yeah. like. <laughs> 
flips it inside out and then he can do what he likes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plays it like a keyboard or something. Yeah. I don't know. God. Okay. And, and then I just, actually, my notes nicely end with a question to, for us to like sort of contemplate Audio Slave as a whole. Okay. Um, which was, would this type of riff be so great to listen to and so impressive if the bass didn't follow it note for note? Like, so my question to you is, does their writing style elevate what they're actually doing? Like the, the way that they actually, if, if this riff was someone else and he was just hitting the rather than yeah. playing the whole thing, would it actually be as good as it is? Does that make any sense? Yeah, that, that does make. Yeah, that absolutely does make sense. And I think it it wouldn't. I think. Yeah. I think I think the, there's some there's some sort of magic that between Tom, Brad, and Tim mm. that's like almost unquantifiable. But yes. Whatever they do, is right. <laughs> if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. 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 Like right for them. I'm not saying it's perfect and everyone should love it. I just mean, like, there's very few moments when they play something together and you're like, well, that doesn't work with that. Like, it always yeah. works, even if it's yeah. not like even if the cohesive part isn't necessarily. Good. Even if it makes no sense, like technically, yes, yeah. like it's still, it's like you still don't. There's nothing else that should be being played, even if mm-hmm. you don't like what is being played. Um, yeah. And yeah, and yeah, I, I think you're right. I think any another band playing boom, da 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 boom, da 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 boom, like would be like half a riff, half as half as good as yeah. as this is. Yeah, yeah. Don't know. Basically, Tim is God. There we go. Yeah, which we've known all along, but it's nice we, to nice to finally hear it. Yeah. Okay. Um, tell me your verdict of the album. Ta-da! It's a yes for me. So this is this would be in the same category, I think, for me as the mistake I made with Down on the Upside, which is that okay. I know it's not perfect, but that doesn't mean I don't love it, and therefore gotcha. it should go in my Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? Not the not the well, it's not perfect, so I guess it can't. Like fuck that. Yeah. I know this album isn't perfect. It's a strange album, which I kind of admire. I kind of admire the fact that they could have just been the. Audio Slave, uh, the Rage Against the Machine riffs with Chris singing. And mm-hmm. by album three, they were like, well, let's try a bit of like funky stuff. And it's not always perfect. It doesn't always work. Some of the tracks are clearly better than others. That's mm-hmm. fine. But I've been listening to it for 16 years. I always listen to it from the start to finish. There's not a single track that I skip, even though I know they're not perfect. all perfect. And I love it. I mean, it's Chris Cornell. I'm entirely biased. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? I like. There's no point in me even bothering to explain at this point. Like, yeah. Pretty much anything he touches, I kind of end up loving anyway. But I do think it has a place in my like collection, and I do really love it. I think it's weird, mm-hmm. but weird in a great little way. Um, and I, yeah, I've, I've liked it since I first listened to it. I'm gutted I never got to see it live, and it's going in my hall yes. of fame. I assume cool. you're the opposite side of the coin. I don't know. This is possibly the hardest one for me that we've had in a very long time because I think in. What, what it made me realise is that I love their debut and then I think they were maybe a band that like almost like a had a super group idea that maybe went on too long, maybe. Because yeah. in my memory, I don't think Out of Exile is actually anywhere near as good as the debut. Okay. And then, so I was thinking, my first couple of listens to this, I was thinking, yeah, this is like a third album that never should have, existed right. like that, that they just shouldn't have needed to happen but I think it's such a grower like between me writing no in my notebook and now I definitely like more songs than I did when I was writing my notes if you know what yeah. I mean yeah yeah um I think it's a strange album in that it does something that, that I don't think we've ever had before where 
for me, the back half is possibly stronger than the first half. Yeah. Um, and I actually think maybe it's sort of more like a, a valley where it opens super strong and it closes super strong. And then the middle for me is very odd because it's three songs that I sort of recognized but knew I didn't love. Yeah. And therefore it felt like a slog to get to the great ones at the end. Yeah. And so, yeah, I guess I'm going to say no, but it's definitely an album that I would tell people not to listen to just once because on my first listen, I was like, well, this, this just seems like they're going through the motions. Yeah. And by the time you actually like get into the songs a lot more, there is some really phenomenal stuff in there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's probably a no. Well, that's all right. No, I should, I put, yeah. you, should I put you down as probably no? Pro- probably no, yes, exactly. <laughs> but with the, you're allowed to change your mind in future. Yeah, exactly, yes. Okay. When we come to uh, to talk about this next year, I, I, I reserve the right to change my mind. Of course, that's fine. <laughs> um, so it must have been tricky for you to pick three songs then. Yeah, I picked four. Um, okay, fine. I, I picked Revelations, Shape of Things to Come, Jewel of the Summertime, and Wide Awake. Oh, fuck. Okay, fine. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, no, it's fine. I, I've picked Sound of the Gun, Wide Awake, and Moth. So Wide Awake was always going on. But then. also, Jewel of the Summertime was definitely my... If I'd picked four, it would have been Jewel of the Summertime. Okay. Because it's, it's so much fun. It is. So Wide Awake was always going on because... Yeah. It's genuinely the best song on the album. Um, okay, I mean, I'd be happy with Sound of a Gun. I really like Sound of a Gun. I'd also be happy with Moth because it's great. I don't really mind. Well, if I would have picked Jewel of the Summertime and you did pick Jewel of the Summertime, then I'm happy for that to go on with sure. Wide Awake. So I, I like. I think this is unprecedented. We are picking tracks 9 and 10 from an album. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I mean. Like 9, 10 and 12, uh, maybe like some of the best songs on the album. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's... It's a strange tracking. It's it's a strange yeah. thing that this album does. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so Jewel of the Summertime and Wide Awake. Great stuff. Absolutely fine by me. So, Rich, what are we doing next week? Next week, we are patting ourselves on the back and saying, Happy Birthday, podcast. We have earned it. <laughs> yeah, so I think we have. It's been... Granted, we haven't done quite as many episodes this year because of my no. r- ridiculous of someone. Uh, <laughs> um... <laughs> But we are nevertheless celebrating two years of Chew the Metal. Woo! Which is, I don't think that is something I thought we would have said. No. Like when we I started think I agree. this or when we started talking about this. Yeah. Not when we, not when we absolutely hate each other. No, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's bizarre. I mean, and we, I mean, we never re- even listened to these albums. I think we do a good job <laughs> of masking that. Yeah, me too. We've got so many people that are telling us for recommendations and stuff. Yeah. What a joke. We don't even like rock music. <laughs> We exclusively listen to yeah. House. Yeah, the, the truth is that we actually love Ed Sheeran. Yeah, he's my fave. No, that's too far. Tattooed on is, my chest. Yeah, that, that is too far. Fuck Sorry, Ed Sheeran. I'm... Fuck that guy. Um, yeah, so we're going to do, as we did last year, we're going to do sort of a, a review of the the last year of the podcast. So from yeah. episodes 53 to, to this one, to 94, yeah. um, we will do a, a similar sort of, uh, I guess, self-indulgent stats session we'll do some we'll attempt to do like a top 10 of the albums we've listened to yeah that was fun last year wasn't Uh, it (laughs) i really enjoyed doing the the super group idea i was gonna say the same yeah um and then last year we obviously had a few more guests and we invited them to bring us questions which we haven't done so much this year but instead kyle i've got um i've got one question for you which i'll obviously like tell you about in advance so you Okay. You can uh, you can formulate 
an answer and maybe you can do the same back. And then I also have a game that we can play, which I yes. won't tell you about until now the episode. Now you're speaking my language. Yeah. So I think maybe if we if we both bring a question and a game and then and then that can hopefully bring yes. some fun. Yeah. That sounds great. Let's do it. Cool. Okay. Well, how can people get in touch if they want to recommend stuff for season three? Oh, shit. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Chew the Metal. You can email us, ChewTheMetal at gmail.com if you want to get in touch about, well, as Rich has just said, suggestions for next season, but also if you want to be on the podcast, if you want to agree, disagree with us, etc., etc., etc. Also, if you don't mind going on Apple Podcasts, you can give us a rating and a review. Or if you are a regular Spotify listener, there is now a review feature on Spotify. If you scroll to the top of our feed under the little bio, there is a star icon, and if you click that, you can give us, I think it's just five stars. I think that's all you're allowed to click. Um, I think all the rest of the options are locked off. (laughs) That is true, yes. Unfortunately, it's five out of ten, but that's fine. <laughs> but I love middle of the road. You know me. We'll, we'll take it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay, well, that has been Revelations by Audio Slave. We're going to come back for a birthday special, Woo! and we shall see you then. Bye. Bye! I've just got a text from you with a... Uh, a crying face. That's just come through, but I don't think you just sent that. Did I even? When did I send that? <laughs> oh, is this? Did you get the text? The 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 words that I sent afterwards? Uh, no. Is this after you said it's making me download it? Oh, I I already had. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, doesn't matter. Where? Okay. <laughs> Where? <laughs> it's too late now. Oh, Kyle oh. has left the building. Goodbye. Hello again. Hello, what the hell just happened? <laughs> I just said, that was a problem, bye. <laughs> I was like, ah, fine, okay, I've been kicked out. <laughs> All right, that's the end of the episode. If you go to 244, oh, he's disappeared again. Sorry, Rich. Goodbye. <laughs>